Warning, this episode contains little to no structure and is a fine example of what happens when two baseball fanatics get together to have a conversation. Listen at your own risk. What is up, guys? Welcome back to The Cooksley Combo, Season 3, Episode 5, midway through the season, done with finals, re-energized, and I am ready to kick this second half of the season's butt. Now, I'm going to keep this intro fairly short because the episode for today is quite long. Baseball head coach at Johnston High School over in 4A, Michael Barta. Now, if you're an athlete, a former athlete, a coach, a former coach, a parent of an athlete, a parent in general, I think that's literally anybody and everybody, this episode is for you. Now, I know I said in the warning that there was hardly any structure to this episode, and it actually worked in our favor. Coach Barta dropped so much knowledge, whether it was about things on the baseball field or off the baseball field, things that you cannot miss, things that opened my eyes and was like, whoa, this dude, this dude gets it. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Take it all in, have the chance to listen to the entire hour or so, and I will talk to you guys next week. Good. Good to meet you. Yeah. And hey, nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. No problem, man. No problem. I, I like the the man cave. Oh yeah, yeah. We got we got it going back here. We got a lot of stuff for all around baseball. <laughs> so one room, my wife said I could have baseball stuff in, so we went nuts. Yeah, and I pardon for my uh, settings. Uh, the only outlet that's my computer charger is working on is on like on the ground. So like <laughs> I'm sitting on the ground here. So <laughs> that's fine. that's all good. So uh, what's been going on? Nothing, man. Just trying to figure out how to, yeah, I kind of went MIA during over Thanksgiving break was off my computer. So I'm just getting around to answering things. I'm sorry. I got back to you so late. Oh, perfect. Yeah, man. My bad. But no, yeah. Just trying to survive every day. I mean, that's all we're trying to do. I feel that right now, uh, you know, trying to balance this podcast with uh, finals oh, is, uh, is a little bit tricky, especially uh, today. I've been having some problems. I was going to shoot a video and uh, the battery's dead and then I went to charge it and the battery won't charge. So I'm currently like kind of panicking about that. And then I have work later tonight. So it's, it's a roller coaster. You're, yeah. You're living a busy life. Well, yeah, well, let's get after this thing and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make, we won't eat up too much of your time. I hope. Yeah. And talking to you, you know, you're probably, you probably are a coach, you're a coach at, you know, Johnston and that's probably the top high school level here in the state of Iowa, you know, 4A, you see competition every week during baseball season. Let's begin with what kind of got you into the coaching world? Did you play, I'm guessing you probably played back in high school when you were a kid and you're obviously pretty young here. So kind of talk about, did you just want to stick with baseball and, and this kind of, you know, coaching, being a head coach at Johnston was like the path to, uh, to, to stay with it? I would say that growing up, 
I uh, was just obsessed with baseball from age two. And that's why I'm constantly like hoping my kid will pick up the bat and ball at some point. Cause he's two and he ain't, he ain't with it yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was obsessed. I mean, I would watch the afternoon Cubs games. They didn't have lights uh, when I was growing up. And so my mom would always tell me when they're playing and I'd have their schedule on my wall and she worked in the same building. She was a teacher in the same building I went to school. And so every day, as soon as school was out, I sprinted up to her classroom. She had a little TV in her room and we would watch the Cubs game. And I watched it every day. I mean, I could tell you from probably, who knows, age four to age nine, I could tell you probably the daily batting averages of the Cubs teams, you know? And so I, I don't know, I became obsessed and, and it was never my parents like putting me in a thousand activities. I never went to an indoor cage to hit. Um, it was just, I had this massive obsession. Um, and, and my mom and dad supported that obsession by letting me throw balls around the house, um, letting me build like makeshift baseball fields where I'd try to hit it over the couch with God knows what, you know, letting me break tons of their stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. They yelled at me a number of times, but, uh, you know, that was just my obsession in that. And, and I, I got to play on, eventually I moved to a traveling team growing up. I, I actually only played little league for quite some time and I got to play with some really good players. I think the stat was at one time, like, I don't know, 11 of the 15 kids on our team or something played D1 baseball, but I was one of those four that did it. <laughs> but if you look at me, you know, I, I don't have a lot to offer athletically, but, uh, you know, I, I got to play a really high level of baseball growing up for a couple of years. I mean, one of my teammates, the kid that I played in the backyard with for a while was Java Chamberlain who pitched in the bigs. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was just blessed to be around the right people. And then I moved to Iowa. I actually grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. I moved to Iowa around high school. And I played for a Hall of Fame coach and Jerry Spieler, who was kind of like my dad. I mean, he kind of just let me love the game and never took that love away from me. Never, uh, you know, never made, I don't know, never made it not fun, you know. And I think that's important as a coach. And I got to watch myself on that sometimes. Um, but, you know, he made it fun. And that was at Carroll Kemper uh, is where I went to high school. And uh, from there, I went and played for Steve Eady at Buena Vista uh, College. Now, how I got into coaching was at some point in there, you realize you ain't good enough to keep playing. And, and so, um, you know, I'm playing for Steve Eady at BV, and he let me stay on an extra year and be one of his assistants. And I actually got to coach first base and run defense for him. And I love that. Like, I think that sparked my interest in coaching. I think when you're a player, you don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes to uh, – develop people and I think I was around the right people when I started coaching Steve Edie's kind of a, a legend um in, up, up by BV he played for the University of Iowa he's been a phenomenal coach in in that league for a long time and and then the assistants were Steve Sonka and Ryan Dupik who are both phenomenal in their own right and I think I was just around the right people and from there uh did a short gig at a 1A school just for the summer because they didn't have a coach and then I was the assistant or freshman coach for Carol Kemper for a year, ended up at Johnston as the assistant for a couple of years. And then since then been the Johnston head coach. And for the people that don't know Johnston, you guys pump out talent yearly. Um, I was just looking at, you know, the Iowa roster alone and there's three kids from, from Johnson, Iowa on that roster. Uh, you know, does, does coach Heller like call you up every year and just like, who do you got for me this year? No, 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 he doesn't. 
Uh, but, you know, I, we've been blessed, man. We've just had some really good kids uh, walk through the program. And those three over there are Jack Dreyer, uh, Peyton Williams, and, and Jackson Vines, who are both, all phenomenal players for us. And we, we have a lot more phenomenal players all around. I mean, we got three kids at South Dakota State. We've got uh, a kid that, you know, had gone up to NDSU. We got, we got kids everywhere. And, uh, yeah, we've just been blessed with talent. And I think more importantly, it, it isn't just talent. Those kids had good mindsets. Like when you look at Peyton Williams, and, and he's just one example, so I'm not, like, ranking him over some other kid. Uh, Drew Beasley is a kid that I immediately think of who was a, a freshman, like, all region player at South Dakota state. Like those guys weren't um, the typical kid you think of when you think of a D one athlete walking through your high school, maybe a, maybe an arrogant kid uh, who was really into themselves. They were like the fuller opposite. I mean, uh, Peyton was like, man, I wish I could get him to talk every once in a while. He was like a big lovable bear, you know, but when you put him on the athletic field, get out of his way. Cause he had another, you know, he could swip, flip that switch and really go get it. And, uh, I don't know. So I've, I think we've been blessed with a combo of kids that are talented, but maybe their parents raised them the right way. And our coaching staff has done a good job to help them grow as people. And they graduate from us, um, both talented and good work ethic, um, good attention to detail. And, you know, just a good commitment to team, like willing to do things for other people. And so I think those qualities are sometimes those character traits are sometimes just as important as their talent with these traits and, 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 you know, characteristics, are these things that, you know, right when they join the team, they have, like you see this, they then pop off the paper right away. Or is this something that, you know, you put yourself in their life and kind of help them teach them along the way. And then they, you finally see everything start clicking, you know, junior, senior year. I think everybody's constantly try, trying to figure out culture. I mean, every single coaching clinic I've been to during for sure during my 10 years as a head coach, but then I also went to coaching clinics before that. And usually the national clinic, the Iowa clinic, I try to go to everything uh, just to kind of grow my knowledge of the game. But there's always a couple speakers talk about culture and they have this crazy idea and they swear culture wins. And I mean, culture to me is, is pretty simple. Like um, let's make our kids try to make the right decision more than the wrong decision. And some people always relate to that, to off, off the field stuff like drinking alcohol or drugs or something like that. I'm not really talking about that. I mean, if they do that stuff, they have no chance. Um, so I'm, I'm more talking about like, you know, we have a lift at 550 in the morning and your first alarm goes off at 520. Like, don't freaking hit the snooze. Don't do it. That's a bad decision. Get your butt out of bed. Get something in, in your body. Get a little, get a little snack. And let's go lift really hard. Let's be on time. I mean, I think there's thousands of those little decisions. And so what we try to do, we're, first of all, I feel like we're getting uh, kids that were raised right um, from good families. Um, but then we're trying to grow the process of these kids making good decisions. And if we do, usually by the time they're a junior or a senior, we're seeing a fairly talented kid who usually is making the right decisions, who's incrementally grown his character and now we have a full group of those kind of kids and we're going to go beat some people. And I mean, we, we can kind of go to the this, this state, you know, you've made several state appearances and do, do kids like, do you remind them every year that it's, it's earned, you know, you guys got to fight before, you know, any, any vision of, you know, making the state tournament, making that, that championship, 
it, it, it comes with the regular season, you know, it comes with the practice. Is that kind of, you know, another thing that you have to remind these kids because I'm from East Buchanan. I was from East Buchanan and, you know, we're, we're a smaller class, class A, and we really have to stick to the path, stick to the, before we can even think because talent doesn't come easy to us. We're just a bunch of, you know, we don't have a bunch of these pitchers down the depth chart. We have like three or four true pitchers. And then these people have to work to become a pitcher. So is it kind of like, you know, every year is a new season flush out last season because last, you know, last year you guys were obviously uh, state champs. You, you uh, knocked off uh, Ankeny. It was. Absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, I, I think probably that's one of the flaws of why it's so hard to repeat or why it's so hard and not even repeat, uh, but stay relevant. I mean, how many teams do you see, how many programs do you see in any sport at any level stay relevant for an extended period of time? And what it is, is you cannot have a staff. And I, I'm, I'm not saying me, um, I'm saying my staff, because actually I don't, I mean, I, I, I do a lot. I mean, I eat, sleep and breathe baseball, but my staff is just as much. And I think you have to have a staff that comes in every year saying like, what we did last year was great and we celebrated it and we like loved it. Uh, but this is a brand new bunch. And yes, we hope that the bunch is growing character wise and they've learned something from the leadership of the past. But at the same point, like there is no saying that they're going to have the leadership the last group had, that they're going to make the same decisions, that they're going to have the same work ethic. Uh, and so I think every year the task is just as hard. Um, and exhausting. And, and to be honest with you, um, man, I'm going to sound like I'm 65 years old in this comment, but I think groups nowadays are a little bit harder. I, I think my first couple groups had, maybe it was just the groups of kids, but they had like a, they had like a heck of a work ethic. I mean, when they got in the environment, they really went after it. And, uh, and as you get farther in, uh, it, it, there's more options for like, especially a city kid on what they can do with their lives. Um, whether it's make money and work a job, uh, whether it's women, whether it's whatever it is, um, there's just a ton of options for them of how they spend their lives. I mean, the video gaming world is huge, whether we like to admit it or not, like it's huge, man. People love playing that. So now you're asking a kid, Hey, do you want to sit on the couch, eat potato chips and play a little modern warfare? Or do you want to come out and work three hours with coach Barney? You pick. I mean, like, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's a, a job, like culture and, and being relevant every year is a huge task of making kids understand that this could be special for you, that not only could you play the next level, but it could just be like your best high school experience, that being around the guys every day and the bus trips are more fun than you might have in your lifetime. And you might be creating relationships that you have forever. And on top of that, there's baseball and there's winning and there's a chance of going to the state tournament, playing at principal park. I mean, there's a lot of great experiences. Like I got to play in the state tournament one year and I was blessed to play as a sophomore with an amazing senior class. And it is a lifetime memory. I will never forget. I mean, like the city got behind us. I mean, it was amazing. Like think about today. Like I, I like get goosebumps at how amazing that experience was. So um, we have to sell that to our kids and then we have to push them to be great every year. It never ends. And are, are you familiar with Northland? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so so they're usually in our conference, and you you talk about a team that's all in. Those guys, you know, you said it's hard to stay relevant, and every year Northland is relevant, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether it's softball, you know, women's basketball, you know, even football, wrestling. These guys, those guys get it, and that's kind of something, you know, when I go to social media, you don't see any Northland guys talking smack or, you know, keyboard warriors, but you see these other schools, you know, you see these guys, you know, talking smack online, thinking they're all that. And then when you go down on the field, they just drop a goose egg. Yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah, man. I, I think about like Northland, like they've had some great athletes roll through there, but there's something to that, man. Like if, you know, people always are looking for going, and, and visiting colleges and, and seeing what colleges are doing, um, going to big clinics where you listen to major league guys talk, and that's great, and you get a lot from that. But sometimes you want to go to a place like North Lynn and walk in and say, what are they doing across the board, 9-12 all sports? Because something's going on there. Like, you you can have some horses, there's no doubt. And I'm sure some people that will listen to this say, well, yeah, they've had some horses. Yeah, they have, but to stay relevant for an extended period of time um, take something else. And, and that something else is their culture and, and everybody does it differently. I would, that, that's where I might start visiting. I might just go to other high schools and say, what are you doing? I want a piece of that. And I've honestly, you know, I, back when I was in high school, I would stay with a close connection with some of those guys in my grade that went to Northland kind of just like, you know, what is your schedule? Because when, when I go and see that their coaches tweet in, you know, pitching starts up in, early December, you know, late November already, I'm like, you know, is that, is that what it takes? You know, because those guys every year, whether it's, you know, on the field or on the court, they get it. They know what they have to do. And, you know, they stick to that. And then once again, off the field, they're great guys. You know, they don't talk the smack. They don't talk, you know, they, they don't rank themselves better than anybody. And, back, back in high school during basketball, I was thinking about, you know, we weren't the best in the conference, but they played us like we were the best in the conference. Uh, yeah, that's great. And Man. that's just, I think, you know, looking back, it's just, you idolize them. You just, you just got to look and, you know, just got to respect the greatness that's there and it's still there. And the coaches are, it comes from the coaches and then the players and then just the community behind them going to a, a regular season game against North Lynn, I'm probably giving them a lot of praise, but just the crowd, the stands are filled. And that's, that's something that can lift a team to that next level. Oh man, I, I agree. And that's what we have in Iowa that, I mean, I'm sure every state has it in their own right. Um, but Iowa has great high school sports and they have all these little communities. See, I grew up in Carroll and the Carroll Kemper faithful the following they have is amazing. And I remember going out and playing a simple summer baseball game that, you know, maybe wasn't even a conference game, uh, maybe wasn't a district game. And you'd have all these people from the community come out to support you. And that's amazing. Like when you have your community on board, your parents, and you have a, an athletic vision of like, here's how we're going to build kids character and you have good coaches leading them. Oh my God. Like you're saying probably at North Lynn, um, Jeez, you can do anything. Sometimes I miss um, – I love my Johnston community. I mean, I feel like we we do it right down here. But I sometimes I miss that small town. You know, that small town environment where, like, 
Bob, who's 70 years old and doesn't have any kids, like he's going to the game. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't have anything else to do. He will be there and he will be screaming for, for his high school team. I love that. You know, that's great about Iowa. And when, once they make it to the state tournament, the entire town shuts down. It's like no school. Like that's (laughs) something that I want to be a part of. Yes. Oh, I love it, man. I love that. It's just, it's just something. And then another, you know, a big pet peeve of mine is when it is game day back in high school. And one of my teammates would say, let's just, let's just make sure we don't lose by 20. They're already, already envisioning that, you know, that loss and me, I'm competitive. I, I might not show it, but once, you know, once I get on that baseball field, I was a big baseball guy. That's why, you know, hearing about you, I wanted to talk to you because I know you're a big baseball guy. There was just something, you know, we kind of have a similar story back when I was little baseball, it was always baseball. And something that kept me close to it was baseball cards. So every time I would go to whether a Walmart gas station, I'd get baseball cards and I'm a big Red Sox fan. So, you know, if I find a big poppy or a Dustin Bedroya, Tim Wakefield, he was a a big favorite of mine, you know, staying close to the game, and now in college, unfortunately, went through some injuries senior year, but now at college, I want to stay close to the game. So pursuing journalism, mass communications, doing this podcast, getting to talk to people that are close to sports. There's just something about it. That's so fun. I, I envy that, man. I, I've, I've talked to, I have an assistant that's been wanting to do a podcast for years um I, I think this is awesome and you're I mean think about all like the secrets you're uncovering man you're like you're unlocking the secrets of all these coaches and these players I mean it's it's cool man. It's, it, crazy. it's crazy because I'm talking to you one of the most decorated yo come on don't shake your head well talented knowledgeable coach in the state of Iowa I just got done talking uh I released an episode with Fran McCaffrey who I've oh. Like hearing all these guys, whether they're older or younger than me, same age, just listen to the knowledge, being able to share it. It's yeah. just something. It's then just you need to go coach. <laughs> I, you know, I've been asked to coach, but starting to coach, the money ain't, the money yeah. ain't there. I, I know, and that's something that's been holding me back. But, you know, down the road, if my life ever hits, you know, hits the gutters. I'm looking at a baseball coach just to stay close with it because yeah. I'm shooting for the high, the big dreams, you know, the big goals. But the good thing about it is, is staying close back home with, with the head coach. And he's always, and you, got, and you got, and you got this, man, you got, this as kind of your, uh, you know, your, your little deal to stay connected. You know what I yeah. mean? So having these recorded and it's kind of saved so you can always go back and, you know, cause 20 years from now, I don't, I don't know where I'll be, but the good thing is I'll still have these. And, you know, remember, yeah. the, remember the day I talked to, to Michael Barta. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Now I want to address the, you know, you talked about whether baseball might be an option for them at the next level beyond high school, but if it's not, what do you, you know, are there guys that, you know, come to you and they're like, you know, Coach Barta, I really want to play, play play baseball, but it might not be there for them yet. What do you kind of what do you kind of talk to them about and tell them that keep working, but you got to look at these options too because baseball can only take you so far in life. Yeah, I mean, I I think every kid that enters the program is, is definitely different, and those conversations are all individual, and uh, sometimes it's hard to have 
like I have 135 out right now. I mean, it, it's hard to have conversations. Like we're not, we haven't even really talked much with the freshmen because of COVID right now. So after January, we'll really have to pick it up with them. But, uh, you know, like right now on my varsity team, I have a number of kids that their goal is to play in college. Like that's what they want to do. And man, we're going to make it happen. Like we are going to push those guys and, and that's their dream. And that's their passion, their fire that inspires them to come to every workout and that's wonderful. But we have a number of guys on our varsity team that they're not going to play college baseball. And they have different life plans. It could be military. It could be, um, you know, going to be an apprentice. Um, not, you know, not even necessarily college. And so for those kids, like, there's still, like, sometimes I feel those kids get overlooked. Um, man, they're huge pieces of the puzzle. And you know, their work ethic they're developing, their character traits they're developing can make them a great electrician or a great asset to the military. And, and I do talk to them about that. Like, I'll talk to them about like, hey, yeah, if you're not going to play in college, that's fine. But then also, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I push into them a little bit. I'm like, dude, you're pretty good. You might want to, you might want to think about going somewhere. I mean, some people could use you. Uh, but no, you're, what you're trying to do is learn about them, develop a relationship, and then figure out, figure out what motivates them um and then you know talk about that because i mean that's life like what motivates me baseball motivates me so if you need to have something done and you throw baseball in the mix i'm more motivated and that's how it is for every kid good point bringing that up because i remember uh, my senior year junior year playing first base we had a pitcher on the mound baseball wasn't his first sport probably not even his second sport and i go up after throwing around the ball in the infield, I go up to hand the ball to him. And he says, Canyon, I don't want to be here right now. And I said, I know you probably don't want to be here. I, and I know you hate baseball because he did not like baseball. And, but he was a good pitcher. And I, and I told him that you have talent, use it. Don't let this game go to waste, you know, because your actions reflect on the team. And then when you don't, part, you know, when, when you take your piece out of the puzzle, the puzzle's incomplete. You can't complete the puzzle. And then we have no, we have no chance of winning. And I told him that. And he kind of like looked at me and he's like, and then he went out and pitched lights out. And then that's just, people just, you sure you don't want to be a coach? See, I just, I don't know. Baseball, like you said, it's just, it's just a part of me. I don't know. In, in people might say too boring to watch. I tell them to, you know, don't talk to me then because baseball is not, <laughs> there are so many things you can be watching on a baseball diamond, whether I've gone to so many baseball games and I love it. Even if it's, you know, no home runs in a one, one nothing ball game or a, a 10 nothing or 10 nothing ball game, whatever the score is, there's just something about baseball, you know, looking at body language, looking how people, you know, compose themselves after they strike out for the third time in during the game. There's just so much to, to baseball that. You're not lying. And, and, you know, back to your point, like his piece is like, is being a part of something much bigger than himself. Like he's a, a huge staple to that team. And, and without him, it's not that team. Like you're saying, the puzzle is incomplete. And so for that kid, he may have no dream of going to college. He has, he might not even love baseball. It might not be his favorite sport, but like being part of that puzzle someday, he'll look back when he's 30, 40 
and say, God, that was fun. Like, I'm so glad I was part of that puzzle. And, and, and I think, man, I think that's important and that's fun. You know what I mean? Like you were part of that, you know what it's about. Um, and he's not even 30 and 40 yet. And he still talks to me and tells me I miss those days already. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You're, only, you're only 20, 21 and you're missing these days. I, I High school sports go by so fast. And, you know, I wish I picked up, you know, golf my, my senior year, I picked it up and uh, my bloodline, my cousins, multi individual state champ. So I tried it out. I obviously don't have the talent he did, but picking up sports, even if you don't love them, just to stay involved, stay with your friends. Yeah. There's something about those bus rides, like you said, or yeah. you know, just in the locker room, the, the shenanigans after a win, you know, it's just the community yeah, but, that sports build. And, and that's, uh, I'm so glad you're talking about it. Cause that's what, uh, we understand after going through it and, and now aging a little bit, we really understand it. That's what some, a lot of parents forget. And uh, like, I have good parents at Johnson. I don't have too many worries, but what I'll tell you is like, when you have a parent of a little kid and you're and they're like two or three or four, your whole goal for them is just to like, have a fun day, like have a great experience, like go to school and like socialize and they go to the park and they go down the slide with the other kid and, you as a parent are like, oh, that's so cool. Don't forget to have that same goal for your kid when he's 18. He doesn't need to be worried about like what position he'll play at the University of Iowa. You know what he needs to worry about? Like do have him involved because of the memories, the fun, like you only get one life to live. Don't worry too much about the future and don't worry so much about the past. Like enjoy that moment, those bus rides. Like that's what sports is. Like people think it's this like, blood and guts. I need to play at the highest level. That's all I think about. Dude, no, like, that's not what we remember. Like, oh, yeah. I remember the crazy events. Like I, Ryan Dupic was one of my roommates and Mark Getters was another roommate. He was the catcher and me and Ryan were the number one and two pitchers our senior year. And I was no good. There's probably like 10 other guys better than me on the team. So if they're listening, understand, I'm not saying I was the best, but I, I pitched the second game of a doubleheader. And I remember being in the hotel room where like, we do stupid crap to each other while we're sleeping. Like those are the greatest memories, man. Like that is sports. And so when you're saying, Hey, you know, I want my kid to focus on football. Like, remember, like they ain't get the bus rides. They aren't staying in the hotels. They're not going to the state tournament. They're missing it. I hope it was worth it because man, those are the best memories of my life besides getting married and having a kid. And I know it's, it's a different season, but you know, kind of that same talk of you can only, you know, focus on basketball. Don't worry about wrestling. If I was a coach, I would encourage to go off for both, make it happen. Your schedule might be, you know, hectic, crazy, but once again, you know, you have four years, make the most of those four years. And my, I was, I'm thankful enough to have parents that never pushed me, you know, too hard. You know, even if I came out of an, an outing pitching and I gave up, you know, four or five runs, my dad was always there and said, Hey, you did, you know, did you have fun? And I, yeah. say, and he, he, I could always hear him when I was on the mound. He was that one guy that I heard. I don't know if that was the same for you when you were pitching. You had, everybody. Yeah. He had one voice and yeah. it was my dad. And I could always hear him smile, you know, or yeah. loose what a great, That's awesome. What yeah. God. Jeez, that's great. And, and then you, then you hear some other, you know, parents when you come into the dugout and it's like, you know, hark, you know, hit the ball next time or, or stuff like that. And it's just like, come on, like, we're, yeah. we're not pros here, but. 
it's just it's it's something that I'll always miss something that I'm that's like I'm gonna stay a part of it because if if I don't have sports in my life I'm not myself even you know during this finals week I made sure to have a conversation with another guy that loves sports so it can be in my life because right now I haven't turned my television on my shades are closed I'm in like zero dark 30 mode but (laughs) it's it's fun sports are are fun and i'm happy that you could come and come on here and and talk to me about it because you have plenty of knowledge and with your knowledge I, i i also wanted to ask is there any like message or or something that you have carried over from when you, what you learned when you were a player and you've applied it into your, you know, your coaching. Well, I would say yes. And you kind of hit on this earlier and we got kind of sidetracked talking about other things, but you talked about that kid that might show up to the school and say like, man, I hope you don't get beat by 20. And uh, I think about how much every single member of the team can influence a game. Um, and, and it's totally overlooked in our day of society. I mean, it's like if my kid ain't hitting three and playing short, he's not influencing the game at night. And that is bull crap, man. Like I've been there my first two year of college. I was on the bench. I only pitched out of the bullpen and like, you can really influence games, um, really in every sport, but specifically baseball. Um, you know, you had talked about how much is going on on a specific play and I can get to that in a little bit, remind me of that, but like our 24th guy on our bench at the state tournament, like he might be a a runner, right? Like he might only get in and he might not even get in when the guy's on first, he might be a runner that I only want getting in when the guy's on second. Uh, and because I, I believe he's got good speed, but maybe he, he, you know, isn't as smart with the guy on first. So when he's on first base, so I wait till the guy gets second, then I want him to score and a hit because he's quick. Um, that guy can be an extreme motivator for guys coming into the dugout. He can be a guy that when a guy, you know, strikes out, be like, hey, man, good approach, though, good approach, you're going to get him next time. Or he can be a guy that's in the pitcher's ear, the opponent's ear. And sometimes our dugout catches a little flack for that. But I'm sorry, that's baseball. Oh, for, all these people, for all these people that are like all over my butt, like, did you grow up in the same world I did? Like, I grew up in, I, people say whatever they want. Like, I was the guy on the mound, like catching all kinds of grief about how short I was, how I threw, like, didn't throw any velocity, and all I did was throw a curveball. Like, that was sports, like, I love that part of sports. I love the head games. And for us, it's not necessarily a head game, but it's that 24th guy on the bench influencing the game. And in baseball, like how the team is mentally will make or break you. You could see teams that are on a high, something happens, and they, they, they slide down and there's nobody there to take them out of it. They're not playing one pitch at a time. Mo- momentum is huge. The mental game is huge. And I think Every single guy can contribute to a game in different ways. I mean, whether there, you could have a guy in, the, in this dugout picking signs, you have a guy in the dugout uh, doing your spray charts. I mean, there is just so many ways to influence a game and, and uh, man alive. Like I think for that kid to come in and say, Hey, you know, we're, I hope we don't lose by 20. Like, no man, go influence the game more. Go be a difference maker. Yes, you're under-talented, but are you telling me there's been no team that's been under-talented beat somebody else in their their lifetime? No, it happens all the time. It happens every week. Upsets. Those are what upsets are for. (laughs) Yes, but it it takes, man, it takes guys 
that are super committed to the task of winning as a group and they are competitive. And as a coach, we got to find those guys and we got to build those guys and every single action that takes place outside of that, boom, you're on it. No, we ain't putting up with that. That's soft, man. Let's go beat somebody. And so I think that's something I've taken with me. I think I was probably a limited athlete. Uh, I wasn't very fast. I could only throw so hard. And I worked on that constantly, no doubt about it. But I think I had a competitiveness to me. I think I can actually say that and people would agree. I had a competitiveness to me and I wanted to influence the game in any way possible. And sometimes I was probably a little obnoxious, but I just wanted to win. I remember my senior year of high school, I had a terrible offensive year. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you what I hit in high school uh, average wise my senior year, but guess what? I knew I sucked. So I leaned into every single pitch possible. If you threw it over the middle of the plate or in, I got hit. And a lot of times I'd get called back, but at that time I led the state in the history books of getting hit the most times. And guess what? I was on base over 500% of the time and I wanted to help my team any way possible. So don't tell me you can't be more competitive. I think that's one of the things that I learned at a young age that I've, I've taken with me and try to give to my guys for sure. And you're unlocking so many memories for me. And I'm going to kind of expose myself here because I was not fast. And I want to say my sophomore year, you know, I was a little runt of the group, but I, I got to play. I was DH and hit the ball to right field. Right fielder didn't have to move. Threw me out at first base. You know, I get back to the dugout and all these guys are like, you know, heckling me, pushing me. Oh, you got thrown out by, you got thrown out in the out, in, on the outfield, you know, making fun of me, trying to try to get a reaction out of me. And at that same time, I wasn't the best hitter, but I could, influenced the game pitching. And that year I had the best pitching year of my life in high school. Um, you know, strikeouts, ERA, whatever you're looking at, it was the best year because at that time I knew I wasn't going to be the best hitter on the team. And I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't going to be stealing bases. I wasn't going. So finding a way to impact the game outside of, you know, hitting the ball, pitching. I, you know, I would stay after practices. I would go in, you know, before practices, just throw the ball around, get some long toss in, just do something to kind of, you know, prepare myself. So when my name did get called, I was ready for the opportunity. And then another, another thing you kind of talked about was we had a guy, I think it was probably my, my junior senior year. He hit a pop fly, advanced the runner, but he came in, you know, after the ball was caught, he came in and threw the helmet on the ground. And I said, you know, you know, what the hell was that for? You just moved, you just moved a runner to scoring position. And he said, well, I didn't get on base. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter if you get on base, you just set him up to score. Like we, now we have an opportunity to get a run. You know, you're not going to get on base a hundred percent of the time, because if you did baseball would be easy. Yeah. No it's just, I don't, there's so many things that you can go back and talk to any of my classmates. I loved baseball so much and some people just didn't get it. And it, it's just frustrating because you want to have everybody on that same mindset. You yeah. want everybody to know that, you know, even if you're not a good hitter or a pitcher, you never know when your name's going to get called. Yeah. And that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle. I mean, you, you look at the NFL right now with COVID um, and there you're seeing that firsthand in, in, in every single team, you know, you could be a parent or a kid and, and you, 
you know, the parent could be like, I really want my kid to play. And I, and I would understand that. And the kid's like, I really want my opportunity. Well, man, the, the kid in front of you is just better. But at any moment, at any time, sprained ankle, throws a ball, UCL blows, anything, you're there. And our season will make or break you doing your job. And I think people get really lost into who's starting, man. Like you could be the ninth guy on a basketball bench. You have two kids get COVID and now you're the first off the bench or you're the big guy because the two guys that got it were bigs and you have to perform. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, besides just being part of that game, you know, influence the game, whether it's verbally or in your little role, you're also preparing yourself like what happens if the situation arises where I have to be on the field. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, you just, you got to have the right people to, to accomplish big things. And back to how we started this whole conversation, you have to have the right kids and you have to grow those people. Like when they come in as freshmen, they don't have that mindset. I mean, a lot of them are great people, but you have to grow that mindset, which is your culture. And, and so kind of rounding back to where we started with that. And yeah, I mean, you're hitting, you're hitting on like some of the biggest pieces of successful teams. Yeah. And there, there's actually, uh, you know, a, a guy, Nolan Meyer, he, he was a year younger than me. Uh, he wasn't the best on offense for basketball, but during practice, his defense we would put him on the best guy, you know, and he didn't start. He didn't, you know, he might've gotten 10 minutes, a, a basketball game, but those 10 minutes were close games, you know, locking down, you know, doing, doing the things that needed to be done to keep us in the ball game. And man, if it was easy to just get all, you know, look for guys, college is probably easier because you can find guys that, you know, fit your culture and, and have the skill sets that you're looking for. But high school, high school is where you grow and it, it starts there. And it, it starts even in middle school. It starts when you're a kid, parents, growing them up, teaching them that, you know, I was always told you got to become a good loser before you're a good winner. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great line. Yeah. And that's just something because, you know, every, every game I came in to with that, that idea that whatever the outcome is, I'm going to do my best, try my best. And then, you know, the sun always rises again. It's just another day, just a process. And you got to, you got to trust the process, stay to it. What I'll tell you is like, if you're somebody that's, you know, up in the air about watching baseball, come watch high school baseball, go watch <laughs> college baseball. It is pure. And there is a lot going on. And if you ever get into the sport, like you're saying, like I'm saying, uh, you could have a pitch, uh, for the people out there that aren't as knowledgeable about it and, and just getting into it or have young kids. I mean, you could have one pitch where like you have a coach giving a sign sequence to the catcher to the, get the pitch, the catcher's giving a sign sequence to the pitcher. Well, the base runner's trying to steal the sign. Who's trying to relay it to the batter. And then the infielders are taking that sign and relaying it to the outfielder. So they know what's coming. And you've got the third base coach giving signs to the guy on second about what he's going to deal do as the pitch is thrown. Um, and you, there's just so much going on. And then everybody's got their scout cards in their pocket and we're taking out our scouting cards and moving accordingly um, based on, you know, metrics and statistics about what these guys have done in their spray charts. I mean, the amount of thinking involved pitch to pitch in baseball is what makes us fall in love, man. Like, 
I sit in the dugout for two hours of every high school game, not, not three and a half or four, like some major game, just two. And, and uh, you can't take a second off because there's thinking involved. I remember this is going to sound real bad. I mean, there's going to be some coaches out there that think I'm worthless, but I remember uh, the sub-state final. Uh, we're playing Sioux City East. It was a phenomenal game to go to state. They were really good. And the inning ended, and I had to pee, man. I, I don't know, man. I didn't take my bathroom break before the game. So I sprint in to go to the bathroom, and our first guy, the first pitch gets hit, and it was like the fourth inning, and we had a guy up who was a phenomenal drag bunner, and I'm sprinting from the bathroom like, and I'm like, dude, we should have bunted. Like, we should have drag bunted, and I'm not there to call it. And I'm like, oh, how do I mess this up? And all these coaches out there that are all famous, like, man, this guy sucks. But, I mean, that, that's what's so crazy about baseball. Like, pitch to pitch, the thinking, the, the statistics. Like, I don't call a pitch in the game from the dugout that doesn't have data to back it up run by my managers. Like, there's just a lot going on. And if you could ever immerse yourself in that, become a manager, get in the dugout, uh, just become more knowledgeable about the game, you're going to see a whole other side of the game that, that and you will understand why people love it so much. And I feel like why, you know, college baseball, high school baseball, nothing against the, the MLB, but once you get to the MLB, you've already kind of, you know, obviously you have to go through the minors, but once you hit the, the major leagues, you've kind of made it. And with high school and college, it's pure. You, you're still fighting, you know, fighting for, you know, because in the, in baseball, you can lose three games in a row, you know, it might not be, you know, might not help you, but you can, you can throw three games away high school and college. You can't throw three games away because it's, you know, you move all the way back down into the bottom of the conference or, you don't make the playoffs. You don't do this. You don't do that. And like you said, you have to know every, you got to prepare. You got to be ready as a player. You got to be ready for the ball to come to you, no matter what the call you're the shittiest player. If you play right field, throw that out the door because it's, it's the bottom of the ninth, two outs person on third and the ball's hit to the right fielder, you know, to go to this, you go to the state game. Are you really going to call him? You're relying on it. And he has to be ready. He has to know that, he's he matters to the team and that he's a factor in probably one of the biggest you know biggest situations it's yeah you got you on the head man like and that right fielder might not have had a ball all game I mean like he may have been out there and and hopefully in between innings he's mentally preparing he's physically preparing for that moment it's just such a different sport um but it's so beautiful And, and and it's so there's so much you know I've gotten more into football over the years even though I didn't play and I'm really enjoying, uh, you know, the mind games of football that a quarterback runs through pre-snap read or, or whatever. And these, these offensive gurus like uh, Andy Reid, and I know he has an arsenal to play with, but I think that's amazing. And that's as close as I would compare our game of baseball. I mean, you, there is really that kind of creativity of where you want to play your guys, um, what pitch is coming your way, what's, this, what's the data calling you, what what, what pitch selections you want to make? How do you want to move runners? Oh my gosh, man. It's, it's a constant mind game of creativity. And, and then it, you, you don't right, even talk about development, like how oh. crazy developments got in baseball and the 50 billion different ways you can develop players now and sorting through that minefield of stuff. I mean, 
uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful game. Wonderful. Every, game. every year I go back and I watch Moneyball because <laughs> yeah. Moneyball is uh it, it does literally what we're talking about. You know the numbers putting pieces together when you don't have the money to, you know, go out and spend on the big boys. You got to, you got to look at baseball completely other way. You got to flip the whole puzzle upside down and kind of start, start from a new beginning. And you, you mentioned COVID a couple times, kind of just talk about, you know, that for you as a coach, is there something, you know, because right now I think the governor said something um, for basketball, for the winter sports, you can only have two, two guests per athlete. Um, you know, and then for baseball, when you last season, this was kind of at the start, you know, the beginning of the whole COVID era, COVID-19 era, what are some of the precautions you have taken? Because not only are you a head coach, but you're a father, you're a husband, you have to worry about all these things, different uh, aspects of your life. How have you kind of made sure to, for your safety and, but then also kind of watched out for your player safety to make sure, because if we've seen multiple times, once one person gets it, it's more likely than that two people have it and three people. So what are some precautions that you took last year and now with a new season ahead of you guys, some new ways or some new things, new ideas that you've looked at and are going to uh, implement into your, into your uh, uh, team? You know, I don't want to uh, make a bunch of coaches mad, but I do believe that baseball, softball, tennis, golf, they're just very, very different sports when you talk about COVID. I mean, like the amount of consistent contact our kids have with each other within six feet and like touching each other is pretty limited. I mean, if you look at the normal inning, if we're out in the field, we're all social distanced and the, I mean, we're outside. Um, even the fans are outside. I mean, like, you know, we have limitations on fans, but at the same point, like they can spread out all around the facility. We probably could have held a thousand people and been okay. Um, I just think it was very, very different for us. When you're talking about football, where you're constantly hitting and tackling and under piles with guys or, you know, indoor sports of any kind, like you just have way more moments that you're coming in contact with other people. I mean, even at like the football level, there's, there's, we meet outside for most of our meetings for baseball, like football, they, they have like film sessions like every day where they're going to have to be inside in a room. And so like, I just feel like baseball is a different monster. And so we left out, we didn't have any cases. Also, we were at a time that the cases were lower. I mean, we were in the summer right now, they're just out of control. And, uh, and I, you know, we just kind of got lucky with the timing. I will tell you a lot did change. I mean, we sanitized our equipment, like nobody's business. I have an assistant coach specifically, Chris Campbell, who sanitized our equipment for like hours every day. He was phenomenal. And, uh, not, not, not alone. He's our bet, like a best hitting coach I could ask for. Um, but, uh, so we sanitized, we social distanced, you know, if we were ever indoors randomly, we had our masks on, like, uh, I don't know. We, we took every precaution necessary, really. I mean, everything the state provided along with things from our district um, to keep us safe. And, and, I, and I think we did a pretty good job of it. I don't know how they're going to do some of the sports that are coming up. I, I hope they're able to do it. I feel so bad for a kid that might have worked 
you know, some people don't understand like a high school athlete, if they're really committed to something, they're probably working, I don't know, 3000 hours on a sport and they get to their senior year and it's like, Oh, I'm here. And it might be at a big school that this is my chance. And then to not be able to do it is, is like, I know in the bigger picture, we got to be safe. I get that. But it's like a, I feel really bad for that kid. Like, like that, can you imagine preparing for something for like 3000 hours and then not doing it? Like, that would be terrible. Like that would be, that'd be awful. And on top of that, you don't get that extra year. You know, some of the college athletes have been given that almost like a red shirt year of eligibility. And so uh, high school, you just don't get that. So we talked earlier about not every kid's playing college sports. You know, I think their updated number is like 6.7% have the opportunity just to get a call from a college recruiter. I mean, that's a small number. So you talk about all the kids that play high school sports that live for that senior year that they're not going on after it. Like that's it. And they're, they would have that taken away from them. I, I just hope we figure it out and we get through this and kids are able to, to do it. Um, you know, as far as being a dad and a teacher, I think being a teacher is really tough. I think that's probably the worst. I mean, uh, you know, you'll have 30 kids in my classroom and, you know, it's a classroom that's like, I don't know, 24 by 24. And so nobody's socially distanced for sure. Cause that's impossible. And uh, I'm helping kids. Like I have to, I have to teach, like I have to do my job. I have to move around and, and become in kind of close quarters with so many different kids. I mean, I'm close to probably, now they, they've done a really good job in our school about like when we met, we hybrided it. And then when we came together, they block scheduled it, but I could come in contact with like 200 kids a day, not including baseball. So it's a scary environment. Like I'm not comparing myself to, you know, the people on the front lines facing COVID, like the nurses, the doctors, I mean, those guys are on a different level and, and we're thankful they're there, but being a teacher there, I mean, for, for people say that just throw us back in school, like, I would probably sway sometime conservative. I grew up in a conservative family, but then on the flip side, I'll, I'll go more liberal with some things. I'll tell you that being somebody that wants to just take my mask off and get back to real life, it's still scary. Like every class, somebody coughs or sneezes and you have 30 people in there and you're like, if I get this, I'm, I, I bring it home to my kids. Like I, like I have a kid that is maybe a little more at risk. She could die. You know, like, so it, it's scary. And I think about it all the time. I don't kiss my kids like hardly ever anymore because I don't know I might be, a, I might have it and I don't want them to get it. And so like once in a while, I'll like get really close to them and I'll worry about it. Like I'll feed my little infant that's three months old and I'll like do my best, like don't breathe on her. And it's just like, God, can we quit this time? I want to get back to normal. I feel like I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad teacher, but it's just kind of scary. And I'm sure we all overdo it. I know the death rate for, you know, my age or little kids is, is a lot lower and I should probably just say who cares, but it's hard, man. It's scary. Even with me, I don't have any classes in person just because, so I am literally stuck in this room unless I go outside, you know, work out or go on a walk or run. And then, and then my job, and even in my job, we have, so I'm, I sit at our front desk and there's a big, you know, plexiglass, and then the doors are always shut. And it just feels like you're just like contained. You can't do anything and you have to adjust your life to it. And it sucks. And yeah. I mean, you think about, it, uh, you know, a lot for a lot of people, they say college are some of their best years of their life. I mean, I, I actually feel bad for the generation of high school and college. 
Um, and that's why hopefully we get out of this, right? I mean, you know, we, we got to live this way for a little bit. And in a big picture, it'll be such a small blip of our life and we can move on, um, hoping that we all stay healthy. But you're right. I mean, you have a very different experience than most people have, you know, especially socially. And that's tough. I mean, that, that is tough. I mean, like, you want kids to go live their life, experience different things. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel bad for the kids that just graduated from my program and are doing the same thing you're doing. And, and kids that are in high school who, you know, would love to have a homecoming or a school dance, you know, things we remember growing up that always thought it was fun. And they're like, man, well, I haven't had a school dance two years. I had a teacher talk to me the other day and we were talking about seniors and, and just, um, just certain things with seniors. And I'm like, you know, how big of a connection do they even really have to our school? I mean, they don't come into our school till they're a sophomore because we're 10, 12. Yeah. And then junior year, they missed half their year and senior year, they've now missed half their year. So it's like, they haven't even really been in the building. They're not doing pep assemblies. They're not at football games. They're not, it's almost like all the stuff that made high school great for us and connected us to our community and our school. Like they're not even experiencing. So you wonder why they don't show up to the zoom class once in a while. Cause they're like, ah, it's just like a pain in my butt, you know? And, and it's just a, it's a weird world right now. I tell you what. Yeah. Uh, last year, I, um, so I'm a third year in college, but last year when I was writing a, a, a paper and I was talking to a teacher kind of about how COVID has affected schooling. And she kind of told me that there was a senior that wasn't doing her Spanish homework. And the Spanish teacher was like, you know, why, why aren't you doing your homework? And she said, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to do it. You know, we're in COVID, we're in the COVID era. Why do I, why do I have to do it? I have no motivation to do it. So let's just, you know, let it happen and, and put this, put this year behind us. And it's just like, you yeah. know, back when I was a senior, I made sure all my homework was done. I had to do everything, you know, yeah. I'm only three years out. And now just how much has changed. And then you talked about the high school athletes missing opportunities to get recognized. I went to a small school. It's hard to get recognized. You have to be at the top of your game and you have to be, you know, those junior and senior years for sports, for athletics is, are crucial. And if you're missing those years, your dream is a little, probably a lot more harder to achieve than it would be if, None of this was happening. If you could just, you know, go on with your daily routine, weight, weight lift in the morning, get some film from games and practices and send them to coaches. But now the, the film's becoming limited. The, the weight lifting's coming, becoming limited. It's just, it's just, you know, ruining, I, I'm going to say ruining our, our entire life. And I've kind of been like, you know, I I'm honestly, I'm going to admit, I'm probably not scared of it, but it's still always in the back of my mind. It's crazy how much it is in my back of my mind because I go into a store and I don't have my mask and I'm like, Oh, I need to go get my mask. I have to run back to the car. It's just always in my mind. I'm trying to escape it, but it's still, you know, it's still there. And I think it's going to probably be there for, for quite some time. Oh, unfortunately. Yeah. Jeez. Well, we, we could do this for probably like five more hours. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the time and we've been doing this for about an hour and I was like, Dang, we might need to do like a part three, part four. Part <laughs> yeah. Well, you let me know, man. If, if we're talking sports, you just let me know. I'm on. I'm in. Right on. And and hopefully baseball season goes well. You, yes. If you bring back another state title. Um, you know, I, I don't even like talking about it. <laughs> I, 
I hate it. I hate it. Um, you know, this is my, oh uh, yeah. I just, I don't like it. It's just, you graduate such people of character that your new group of guys have to fill those shoes. And those are big shoes to fill. We're not talking talent. We're talking like leadership. Um, you know, you're 24th man in the dugout. Uh, you're, you're, your base runner, your courtesy runner, your pinch hitter off the bench, your backup first baseman that had to play in the state championship. I mean, you, you lose so much year to year, especially in a bigger school where our classes are so big. Um, it just takes tremendous people that give tremendous effort. And so even talking about that, like, I mean, it's just so far-fetched in my mind. Like, Though our guys have a lot to prove, like they better to even talk about the state tournament. I mean, how many towns do you know of that would kill for their high school team to get to the state tournament? Uh, that is something that is a challenge. I mean, every coach out there will agree. Probably the toughest game you're ever part of is the sub-state final. The emotion, the op the opportunity to play at Wells, the dome, the you know wherever. It's like. That game, and to, to put yourself in that position, number one, and to win that game is, man, you have, to, you have to be clicking on all cylinders with the right people who are completely prepared. And so, uh, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We're going to work really freaking hard at it, though. Um, I tell you what, we're going we're gonna to get after it. I mean, any team that looks past us, no matter what our record is when we get to that time of year, oh, we'll be freaking ready. And, and so we'll find our 24 guys, even if they're 24 freshmen, we'll and, find them. And, and we're going to, we're going to get after it. I, I want to ask a quick question. Are you guys like the, the bad guys, you know, the evil guys of 4A? Do the teams like, are they like, you know, we want to beat Johnson. Are you the, are you that team? I don't know. I'm sure there's people that really dislike me. So maybe, I don't know. I would say our, our rivalry with Urbandale as much as we credit each other for the successes we've had, like I give their staff credit. I think they do a pretty good job. Our rivalry with Urbandale is pretty freaking deep. So I'll consider them the bad guys. Um, and, and, and we'll see. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, the thing about our league is that it's hard to find a bad guy because there is so much talent that any team can take over year to year. Like Ankeny is outrageously talented. Like they are, I mean, it seems like every kid six, four can run and drop bombs and are all D one athletes. Like, I, I mean, like what the hell's in the water up there, man? Like, so it's just, there's a, there's a lot of talent. Anybody can be the bad guy that given year. Um, but yeah, we want to beat them all. There's no doubt. We want to beat them all. So that's what makes baseball special. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and with that, I think, We'll put a we'll put an end to this chapter. We're not going to say end to the book because I really <laughs> want to get you back on here. So, all right. Well, you let me know. I'm in if you need to. All right, and this will probably be out in a couple weeks. I got to do some editing. I think I have one. I'm gonna I'm gonna already have one this week. But looking next week, I'm gonna get this one out. Let let the public hear us ramble <laughs> for for almost an hour, over an hour. See if they like us or not. If they like us, you bet. Let's do. Let's base it off that. If they like us, you'll come back on. If they don't like you, you got the boot. 
It's like a game, man. That's <laughs> great. Did I perform or did I not? There we yes. go. Well, awesome. thank you. Thank you. Stay safe. Continue yeah. the year. Good luck, baseball season. I'll be watching. You know, you might not, you might not see me in the stands, but I'll be watching. I'll be watching. So, well, hey. dominate, dominate your finals, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Let's do All this right. together. All right. All right. We'll see you. See you later.